Last week we heard and we learned that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. This past week we celebrated Valentine's and I'm sure many of you had an opportunity to do something nice with someone or for someone because we love, right? And when you love someone, you want to spend time together, you want to do something. And, and that's the whole basis of stewardship. Now, uh, we're talking about money today in church, okay? Yeah, money matters to everybody, and money matters matter. We will look at some biblical principles concerning money and giving on this second part of Stewards Together called Money Matters. Now, I know this is a touchy topic, and if you're visiting us today for the first time, know that we do not talk about money all the time. You just happen to come to us on the one Sunday we talk about money, all right? And uh, as a visitor today, you'll hear some general biblical teaching, which will be useful to you, and then you'll also hear some specific applications, which will apply to those who attend this church regularly. You should be receiving, you have received uh, some notes. Put those notes away, we're not going to use them right now, so just, just don't, don't waste your time, don't get distracted with them. I will come back to that. Now, sad to say you hear a lot of bad news Okay, today, about churches and pastors who are exposed to abusing their influence and extorting money from gullible followers. You hear of churches laundering money. You hear of church leaders asking their congregants to sell positions and homes and give that money to the church. You hear of church members losing hard-earned cash and positions by following the instruction, instructions of the pastor, bishop, or prophet. Now, the Bible is very clear, warning us about watching out for false prophets, particularly in the end times. But it also says that in the end times, uh, people will follow leaders according to their itchy years. In other words, some people don't want to hear the instructions of the Bible, of the truths of the Bible. They just want to hear what they want to hear. They're looking for quick answers, easy answers, easy way out of their problems. And some Christians are superstitious and they mix worldly or cultural beliefs with scripture and then they are deceived. And so they follow and defend their leaders, their man of God, which today is a very misused term these days. They follow the smell of God blindly, even though people around them can see that they are being deceived. And of course, this has the opposite effect on some other people. They see all this and they take it to the other extreme. They see these frauds, these charlatans, and they judge the whole church on that basis. They say, pastors, all the pastors are just after your money. And the churches are for the gullible. Some of them even come to the point of saying that there is no God. And as Christians, we need to know what we believe. I cannot say in one sermon everything there is to say about money or finances. I cannot say everything in one sermon about the biblical view of money and of giving. But I hope that this morning's message will at least give all of us a basic understanding and a basis for what we do. Specifically, I want us all, I want you and me to be aware of what 
our view is here at Awaken Life Church when it comes to giving to the church. Amen? Now, before I continue, let me ask you guys something, and please answer me. Um, you, can, you can kind of shout loud, all right? Is it okay to talk about love in the church? Why? God is love, yeah. Right. Where did you read about that? In the Bible. So it's okay to talk about love because the Bible talks about love, right? The Bible talks about love. Well, what, what, about, what about baptism? We're having baptisms one of these days. Is it okay to talk about baptisms in the church? Yes. Why? Because the Bible talks about that. You're getting it. You're getting it. All right? Good, good. Is it okay to talk about faith in the church? Why? Because the Bible talks about faith. Right. Is it okay to talk about what? Love in the church? I think I said that. <laughs> because the Bible. All right. Is it okay to talk about money in the church? Yes, no, maybe I wonder. Good question, Pastor. Well, I want, I want to show you something. Guys, give us the next slide. How much God talks in the Bible about baptism. There's about 40 verses in the Bible about baptism. And so we talk about it in church. There's about 350 verses that talk about faith in the Bible. And so we talk about faith in church. There's about 500 verses that talk about prayer in the Bible. So guess what? We talk about prayer in church. There's about 650 verses that talk about love in the church, in the Bible. And so, guess what? We talk about love in church. Now, look at the next one. There are 2,350 verses that talk about finances, wealth, and material positions in the Bible. So, is it okay to talk about money and material stuff in the church? Yeah, because it's in the Bible. Did you know that? Jesus, about half of, half of his parables that he, that he said were dealing with finances, wealth, and material positions. <laughs> Go check it out. So it's in the Bible. Amen. <sighs> now, if you took, if every Sunday I took three of those Verses of the 2,350 verses. If every Sunday I took three of the, those verses and I spoke a little bit about that matter using three verses a Sunday. Guys, every single Sunday of the year, it would take us 15 years to cover all those verses. So no wonder some churches talk about money every single Sunday. They give a little mini sermon on money, you know, and you got to give. You know, but there is a biblical precedent. And so you can see, you know, that given that so many verses about money, prepare yourself because this is going to be a long sermon. <laughs> nah, don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about all 2,350. I'll leave the 350 out, okay? Right. So, what we're going to do this morning is this. We're going to compare some of man's ways... Versus God ways, God's ways in the matter of money and giving. That's what we're going to look today. Money and giving. Let's start by considering 1 Chronicles 29, 11, 12. 1 Chronicles 29, 11, 12. And this kind of summarizes what we kind of spoke about last week. It says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all, say all. 
Now, the Hebrew word for all is a very interesting word. In the Hebrew, all means all. Amazing, eh? Right, okay. Anyway, uh, all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you're exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all, over all. In your hand is the power and might. In your hand is it to make great and to give strength to all. It's like we, we, we spoke about last week. Everything belongs to God. You have to understand. How do you see your world and what you've got? Do you think you are the owner? Or is God the owner and you are the manager? Remember, steward, a steward, is someone who manages somebody else's stuff. And so we've got a choice. We're either going to believe that everything you've got is ours, or we're going to understand that this universe and everything in it belongs to God. And you and I are merely stewards. If we can understand that, remember, stewardship is more a matter of attitude than rands and sins. Okay? And so we need to understand that. Amen? So, let us look at what the world generally thinks about money and what the Bible says. Man's ways versus God's ways. Let's talk a little bit about money. Money, man's ways versus God's ways. Man's ways says, in terms of money, says, hey, all I have is mine. Hey, come on, isn't it everything you've got is yours? I mean, I worked for it, I studied for it, I prepared for it, I sweat for it, I gather it, I save it. All I've got is mine. Of course it's mine. <laughs> well, God's way says, no, all I have is God's. Chronicles 29, 11 is what we've just read. It's all God's. He, everything belongs to him. He has given it to us to use. And of course, some people abuse what God has given. And that's why, because people abuse, people want to hoard it. They want to get all they can, put it in a can, and then sit on the can and say, it's mine. It's mine. It's not. We need to understand everything you've got is a gift from God. In Deuteronomy 8, 17, the Lord warns his people. He says, you know, when you guys prosper, be careful that you'll say, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. The Lord says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And so, God wants to bless his people, Israel, in the Old Testament and cause them to prosper. What? So that they could go around bragging about how great they are? No. So that they could acknowledge God and establish his covenant. We now live under the new covenant, the New Testament, a better covenant under the grace of Jesus Christ. And why does God give us wealth? For the same reason, to establish his covenant, to carry out the gospel, to live according to his purposes, his principles, and bring light into this world. Push back the darkness and bring the light of God. And so the same warning comes to us today. When you get wealth, be careful to say, you got it. Who gave you the wisdom, the strength, the life to do what you do in the first place? It's a gift of God. And so many people are given these gifts of God, life, ability, and so forth. And they build great wealth, and they ignore God. They forget about God. 
The Bible says be careful about that. The way of the world is to say all I have is mine. The way of the Lord is to say all I have is God's. The world's way is to say man's way. is to say I need more money. By the way, anybody need more money than you've got right now? Oh, look at you now. Put your hands down. Come on. Everybody needs more money. I could do with more money. My hand is up already. But here's the difference. The Lord says, manage what you have. You see, I don't live my life stuck on this, I need more money, I need more money, I need more money, I, I can't do anything because I need more money. I like, but I, no, you start with what you've got and you manage what you've got. You get wisdom from the Lord. You manage what you've got. You don't get stuck anxiously having sleepless night. How am I going to get more money? You know, the attitude, you know, what is yours is mine and I'm going to get it. That's the way of the world. They think that wealth is limited and if you get more, they're going to get less. Therefore, they're going to make sure they get more before you get more. Because the cake is limited. Listen, the Lord can increase the cake, all right? If necessary, the Lord can multiply. So many stories of God multiplying, God doing amazing things. We have to understand, change our thinking and understand that we need to manage what we've got. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5.11, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see with their eyes? Have you noticed this? You've got nothing and everything is okay. People leave you alone. All of a sudden, you come into some extra money. All of a sudden, you got friends, man. They come into your house. They want to eat with you, drink with you. And so the extra money you had, you just see it going away, all right, and feeding other people. And the minute the money is gone, so are your friends. They've gone to find somebody else with some more money. And so in the ways of the world, it's never enough. They always want more. They always want more. And look, 16.10, Jesus said, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. In the world, people never have enough. The more money, the more power, the the more position they have, the more they want. They are never content, never satisfied. The Christ follower learns to manage what they have as good stewards. By doing that, they can do more with little than the unbeliever with a lot that he has. The world says, live for pleasure. You got money, use it on yourself. Have fun, enjoy it. Bible says, live by self-control. Self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. In the world, you want to get more, and the more you get, the more you do, you get bigger stuff, fancier stuff, more shiny stuff. You want to show everybody what you've got. You want to please yourself, whatever it is that pleases you. That's the world's way. God's way is no. Let's be wise about this. I got more. Let me manage it well. Let me exercise self-control. Why must I blow everything up in getting bigger and better stuff? Let's manage it wisely. Proverbs 21, 17 says, He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. It's amazing. You look at the people, you know, you get some of these guys, they play lottery, and then one day they get a big jackpot. Millions. Overnight, they are millionaires. Not one of them has enjoyed that, has survived that. You follow the stories. They are millionaires, and for the first year, they enjoy it, they blow in, they get a new house, and so on and so on. Five years down the line, they've lost their wives, their family, their houses, they're back where they were in the beginning again. Because pleasures do not satisfy. 
The more you have, the more you want. You don't manage what you've got in the little, you're not going to manage much either. It's a matter of heart attitude. The world says, love money. Word of God says, no, love God. Love God. Jesus said in Luke uh, 13, 16, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is an old Greek word, uh, uh, Greek term for the God of money back in those days, in, in the pagan gods. You cannot serve God and money. They can't both be on the throne. One is going to displace the other. If you put God on the throne, money on the throne, God is going to come out second. You put God on the throne and you will honor him, money will not own you. Some people say that money is the root of evil. 1 Timothy 16 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Listen, money is not Good money is not bad. Money is neutral. You give life to your money according to your attitude towards it. Money is not evil. The Bible says it's the love of money. When you put money on the throne, not God, and so money becomes your God, money owns you, money rules you, and then it becomes the root of all evil. Why? Because the more you've got, the more you want. You're fighting for your money. You're pushing people. You're cutting corners. You're cheating. You're lying. And all of a sudden, your whole life is a mess. And he says that many have left the faith because of love of money. And of course, this world sets you up for failure. You mind your own business. You're quite happy with what you've got. And then here comes on the TV. Here comes the advertisement. You need one of these gadgets. You need that new gizmo. And you go, yeah, I need that gizmo. Oh, my God, I need it. Ah. And you go after it. And you, and you get into more debt. And you stop giving to God, giving to people, helping others. Because you need that gizmo. Because everybody's got it. And I need one too. <laughs> you love him, man. You love him positions. You want to be like everybody else. And you're piercing yourself. You're hurting yourself because you're not managing money wisely. Amen? Money is a great servant, but money is a lousy boss. Be alert. Amen? Those are a few thoughts on money. Let's move on to giving. Let's take a look at the matter of giving. We are supposed to be generous people because our father and our elder brother, Jesus, are givers. God so loved that he gave. Love gives. And of course, we must be generous as well with our God-given resources, our time, our talent, our treasure. And so in the section we're looking at giving money, although we must be generous with giving talent and time as well. In this area of giving is where many people get stuck. Look at Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Understand, God is overseeing this. God sees what you give. He sees your heart when you give. And he says, give. And as you give, it will be given to you. But when it comes back to you, it comes back in abundance. You give a measure, but when the measure comes back to you, it's filled and overflowing. 
God pumps back more into you than when you give to him. So let's look at this matter of giving because obviously it is important to God. Again, we're comparing man's ways with God's ways in the matter of giving. Man's ways is I'm going to rationalize, I'm going to think, I'm going to find excuses why I can't give. God's ways is the following. Give to God first. And you know, we can sit and we can have long conversations about why you can't give. In 1 Kings 17, prophet Elijah, there's a family in the country, he comes to a widow and he says, have you got some food? She says, I just got some oil. And some flour, I'm going to make my lost cake. My son and I are going to eat it, and then we're going to die. And so he says, I'll tell you what, before you do that, make that cake and, and give it to me. Meaning, before you look after yourself, give it to God. Because in the Old Testament, the king, the priest, and the prophet were the three officers anointed by God. They were the spokesman for God in the Old Testament. And so she knew she's dealing now with a representative of God. So when she gives to him, she's giving to God. Now she could rationalize. He says, listen, how dare you, old man, come to me with a boy and you want to take our food all for yourself? Food sack, man. Come on. That's probably what we would do today. Come on. Give to God. God's got enough. God doesn't need my money, doesn't need my cakes and my oil and, and everything else. But no, she went and she baked. She took what she had. She baked the cake. Guess what? When she looked back, the oil was back in the jar. The flour was back in the pot. And so after making the cake for the prophet, she came back and made a cake for herself. The next day she made another cake and she made cake for everybody. And as long as the famine endured, they had food because she gave to God first. And that's the principle. Stop finding excuses not to give to God. That's man's way. God's way is to honor God first. Deuteronomy 14, 23. And you shall eat before the Lord your God and in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and all your firstborn, your herds and your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. The reason God asked his people to give was to teach them to trust him, to fear him, to, to honor him, and to learn to be givers. Because he is a giver. He wants us to learn to trust him. And so we give to him first. Then man's way says, give sporadically. When, when you remember, when you can, if you got time, if, if, you, know, if, if, you, if you remember, uh, give it to him. Just give, you know, don't have to give regularly. Just give a couple of times a year and, and, and that's it. Haggai 1, 5 and, and to 12 is where God reprimands his people because they were so busy. Look, they, they were giving to God, but they were just not being faithful. They were more preoccupied in, in, in developing their houses, getting nice houses, reestablishing themselves, and they forgot about the house of God, which in the Old Testament was the temple. That was the, the place where God's presence was. And they ignored the temple, ignored giving to God, gave only when they remembered, and God reprimands them about that. Why? Because he wants us to give faithfully. In Malachi 3.10, he reprimands them again. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and, and try me now. Says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven, pour out for you such a blessing that you'll not be able to contain it. He said, man, you guys are robbing me by not giving faithfully all the time. And I'll just now get back to understand why, what was the system in the Old Testament. But the people were not honoring God, were not being faithful. And then they suffered and the nation suffered. Because it says in Haggai, you know, you're building your houses, you're gathering stuff, but nothing works. Because you are not honoring me first. 
That is man's way. I'll give sporadically. Another way of man is this. I'll give leftovers. If I've got something at the end of the month, I'll give to God. How many of you know, and maybe it's not your experience, but it's certainly mine, but usually there is more month at the end of my paycheck. I'm in good company. And that's why you need to learn to manage our money. And if you leave to give to God for lost, guess what? You're going to say, sorry, Lord, I'd love to give to you, but it's all gone. You see, man's way is to give leftovers. God's way is to give proportionately. It's to take a quantity, an amount, a percentage, according to what you can, according to what you've got, and give it to God first and regularly and proportionately. You don't look for excuses. You don't give sporadically. You don't give leftovers. You give proportionately. Amen? Um, and your, your number of scriptures there about that. Three times a year, you appear before your God and, and the place he chooses, and you bring something to him according to what he has given you. In, in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collection when I come there. So for Old Testament and New Testament, the Lord says, take something proportionally, whether you earn it weekly or monthly, put it aside, do it first, and give to God uh, proportionately. And then give, the world's way is to give reluctantly, God's way is to give cheerfully. So somebody comes to church this morning, puts some money in his pocket, and he's thinking, oh, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to have a great time, praise the Lord, hear a good message, and, and, and then I'm going to after church, I'm going to McDonald's, I'm going to get myself a Big Mac, oh, it's going to be so nice. And then he's sitting over here, and, and we're worshiping God, and then the offering time comes, and he goes, oh, I didn't bring extra money for the offering, all I've got is this money for my hamburger, but I'm feeling guilty now, and okay, so I'm going to give my hamburger my money, and he comes by, and as the boss goes, reluctantly, he puts the money in, and as the basket goes down the aisle, he sees his hamburger disappearing. <laughs> Has he given joyfully? Cheerfully? No way. He's given very reluctantly. Okay? That's not how God wants you to give. 10 rand given with joy is more valuable than 50 bucks given reluctantly. And that's why I have to prepare our hearts and know what you're doing and why you're doing. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Smile. Say, I'm a giver. Prophesy over yourself, okay? I'm a giver. <laughs> because God wants us to be a giver. But you need to be a cheerful giver. Learn to give cheerfully because you're not giving to this church. You're not giving to the pastor. You're giving to the kingdom of God. It's to the Lord you're giving. If, if you come to the offering and you say, oh, I'm giving church A and B so much money. I'm giving pastor so-and-so so much money. I'm giving missionary so-and-so so much money. If that's your attitude, you, you, you're missing the point. What are you giving to, to this church, that missionary, or to God, to, to, the, to the church? Your attitude must be, I'm giving it to God and to His work. These are just the vehicles, the platforms that God is using on this earth. I'm not giving to the platform, I'm giving to God. And God will bless you. You give cheerfully to God. Huh? Don't fall in the trap of man's ways.
Second Corinthians 8.12 For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. Okay? So some people want to impress God or impress others, and, and, and they force themselves to give something which they cannot give, which they don't have to give, but they force themselves. And, and they grudgingly, and they're hurting all the time. No, no, no. Give joyfully. Give proportionately and give joyfully. It's important how we give. Remember that stewardship is an attitude. The attitude with which you give is important. Amen. Now, let's talk briefly about the tithe and tithing. Tithe and tithing. Take a look at this. With the cost of living going up on everything, aren't we glad God hasn't raised the tithe to 20%? Aren't you glad about that? Thank God that for about the past 6,000 years or so, tithe has remained at 10%. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, I can't agree with this guy because everything keeps going up every year. Some things go up by a single digit, some Think, think about two percentage digits. But if it had changed from 10 to 20%, then it would not be called a tithe anymore because tithe means a tenth. Okay? It means 10%. Tithing means to give 10% of something. Now, the people of Israel under God's government were required to tithe. They were a farming people, agricultural people, so much of their tithe was in produce, in corn, in wine, oil, wool, etc. They would give it to God by giving it to the priests and Levites, which were the tribe responsible for the spiritual welfare and the governance of the people as they, uh, as they were appointed by God. So... Offering was a very different thing uh, in the Old Testament. It was just a basket going by. It was guys coming with trolleys, with, with cows and, and wool and all sorts of stuff. Uh, a missionary was visiting India a while back and he went to a very small, poor village in this poor church. But when he got to the church, he saw the offering baskets were huge plastic tubs. So he asked the pastor, Pastor, this is a poor church. Why have you got such huge, huge offering tubs? He says, well, you see, the people are poor, and they, they work in the lands and so forth. So when it comes to offering time, they bring all sorts of things. Some will bring some money. Others will bring eggs. Some will bring fruit. Some will bring this. Some will bring potatoes. And so we need a big tub to put all the stuff in because people give in different ways. And that's what he's talking about. Give from the heart. Give joyfully. Give proportionally. Give as and watch. You know, in our setup in, in the city, usually we earn in money and therefore we give in money. All right? And, uh, but the idea is that it was in, in the Old Testament, give 10%. But they didn't just give 10% because there, there, was actually, there were actually three different tithes. Let's look at them. There was more than one tithe that they got. There were actually three tithes in, to the Jews. First of all, there was the Levitical uh, tithe. That was the, uh, the first one. In the Old Testament, like I said, it was a theocracy, not a democracy. And the government of God was carried out by the Levites and the priests. And they made sure that the laws and precepts of God, as revealed to Moses, was taught and kept by the people. Every year, this tax was paid. So this was basically a, a tax system to keep God's governance and his officials going. 
to fund the officials of the government, which are the priests and Levites. But then there was another tithe, the festival tithe. And this tithe was to be used to fund the various feasts, feasts that God instructed his people to have. Passover, harvest, etc. And so they had to tithe this. Now these two tithes were tithed every year. Every year there was a tithe for the Levites and a tithe for the feasts. And then there was the poor tithe. And this tithe was collected every third year. A tenth of everything they had was brought in and it was distributed to the poor. So they had to pay also a temple tax, and they could not harvest the edges of their fields. That was for the poor people to help themselves. If you add everything up, on average, the Jews would give 23 and a third percent of their income to God every year. Okay? So it was a lot more than a tithe. In the New Testament, we are taught to two things. Number one, we are taught to pay taxes to the government, and we are taught to give to God. Willingly, joyfully, abundantly. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. Amen? Now, we are taught to give proportionately and joyfully. And a percentage figure is not given in the New Testament. And so many people say, ah, in the New Testament, I don't have to tithe. I can give less than a tithe. What, and, and, and what it means when you say that is you say, you know what? The new covenant is worse than the old one because the old covenant was 10%. The new covenant is el cheaper. You don't have to give anything. The truth is that in the New Testament church, we are called to be generous and to give proportionately. A tithe, yes, means one tenth. But when you read the book of Acts, you find people gave way more than a tithe. They gave as they were able. Then there were some people, they gave less than a tithe. But they gave joyfully. They gave as they were able. Proportional giving means, means you give as you can give. For centuries, the Christian church has set the Old Testament target of 10% as an aim, as, as, as a basis for our proportional giving. Many believers give more than 10%, and many believers give a little bit less than 10%. Research in the United States, where you can claim your tithes from your taxes, and your, your tax, you know, you can claim that. And even so, in America, it shows that only 12% of born-again Christians tithe. A recent report indicates that in any given church in America, only 10 to 25% of the congregation are tithers. Now, I have no idea what the figure is in South Africa because in most churches, including this one, we don't follow what people give. We, we don't keep track of how much people are giving and who's giving and who's not giving. But research has also shown that those who tithe, who give 10% or more to their church, are better off financially than Christians who do not tithe. It shows they have minimal debt. It shows they are more involved in their churches. And it shows that they come from all income brackets. It's not just the wealthy people that tithe. People from the lower income brackets also tithe. On a Facebook conversation about tithers, some people commented that tithers are better givers because they are better off. To which the tithers responded, no, we are better off because we are tithers. All right? Now, why is that? This is probably not only because of the blessings of giving, you know, give and it shall be given, but also because those who aim to give 10% or more learn how to manage their money better. This is even taught in the secular world as a tool for financial freedom and prosperity. One of the rules that you read about in the world system, secular system, is give 10% of your income away to, to charity or to church, save 10%, and live on 80% of your income. 
And people that, that follow this advice and, and make adjustments and lower their standard of living and live like that, they find they live much better off. It is possible to do this. And for those who, 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 who are struggling to break the cycle of poverty, you know what their advice is? Give. Start giving. Can you believe it? That's not coming from Christians. It's coming from financial advisors who are not Christians. Why? Because this is actually a biblical principle. Every biblical principle is universal and will work for you whether you're a Christian or not. That's why sometimes Jesus says that the children of darkness are wiser than the children of the light. Because when people find out biblical principles that work, they will apply to themselves and they will enjoy the benefits. Where should one tithe do? In the, in the Old Testament, they brought to the temple, their place of worship. Today, we gather in local churches, and that is where we bring your tithe, to your local church where you're a part of. What if you do not tithe? Are you under a curse? No. Malachi 3.10 speaks of all the tithes. He's talking about the Jewish system where the people had to bring those three tithes. And when they did not, they put themselves and the nation into jeopardy. And they came under a curse. They were cursing themselves by doing that. Jesus said that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13. If you cannot give 10%, choose a percentage or an amount that you can give joyfully and start giving that every month. Don't choose just what you know is going to be left over, but choose an amount that you know with a few adjustments by giving up some luxuries, by giving up that McDonald's once a month, you can actually... Put some money together and give to God. Maybe a little bit sacrificially, but do that. And aim that by God's grace, you're going to get to 10% for his glory as a minimum. Amen? Now, I just want to give those of you who are members here and who attend regularly a few guidelines about giving to Awaken Life Church. I'm going to do this very quickly. And this is where the little form you, you're given today comes in handy. I'm not going to go through this whole form because our time is up already. But I want you to just take this home and, and go through this, okay? Um, your giving... In terms of time and talent, there are they, we're always needing ushers and greeters and, and people in the kitchen team. And there are the people that you can contact if you'd like to be involved in that. And any other uh, gift or talent you've got that you want to use, you can contact a deal here and she'll point you in the right direction. In terms of honoring God with your money, your monthly proportional giving, your tithing, or that amount that you want to give regular and encourage church, let's this year aim to give more to God, to be faithful. Some people say, I can't before I'll give nothing or I'll give sometimes. No, don't do that. Choose an amount and start giving that. Trust in God that he'll help you to increase and to get on. So give proportionally. We encourage you to give electronically because when you give cash, when you, you know, put the money in the bank, we still have to pay uh, a fee to, because it is uh, cash. So it is important then, if possible, that your tithes and offerings, if you can give by EFT, do that. And if you're giving it as, as a tithe, use tithe, the word tithe as your reference. If you're using offerings, use the word offering as your reference. And then there are a number of other specific giving opportunities there. And if you use that as an EFT, you can either use those, 
those words that are in bold on your reference, or you can use an envelope. When you give cash, if you give your tithing, or your, your monthly giving uh, to the church, use the tithes envelope. You'll find them at the back over there. If it's a tithe, just put it over here and send it in. If you want to give to any of these other opportunities, we still need some kitchen supplies, window blinds. We're having a, a trip to Maputo in, in April as well, and so forth. So if you want to give to any of those things, or there's a whole paragraph here with other things that we need in, in different departments. If you'd like to give specifically towards that, you can contact the people concerned. And if you're giving, you can just write that that bold word over here that we know what it's going for and then the money will be used specifically for that. Some people say, yeah, you know, churches should be taxed and so on. Well, churches are taxed. The only thing church is exempt of is the income tax. In other words, the money that you give to the church, we don't have to pay tax on that. By the way, you've paid tax on that money already, okay? Now you give to the church only and we don't pay tax on it. But every money that we use gets taxed. I pay tax, employees pay tax, I pay tax like everybody else. Every time we buy things, we have to pay tax. People don't tell me, oh, you're a pastor for the church. Yeah, that's for free. No ways. We have to pay. And that's why the church needs money as well. And so another way of giving as well, by the way, right at the bottom over there, you see the social assistance. And that is a, a system, if you, if you don't know about this, here in church, we have a social assistance department where you can give in two ways. You can give a, a food parcel or you can give clothing, secondhand clothing. You can bring it to Maria. She'll be at the back of the church there just now to assist you. Maybe if you want to sign up for this or if you want to know more. These packets, you can sign up for three months up to a year. And uh, once a month, you take a packet like this home and you fill it with groceries. Here's a list of the things you put in this packet. It will cost you between 200 to 250 to fill a packet like this. You bring it back to church every month and it gets distributed for people in need, both here in the church and in our community that are needy. So if you'd like to give that way and become part of that project, please go and speak to Maria, sign up, or get more information from her. Amen. So I trust that, you know, you will consider this here, that we as a church will definitely learn to give more this year. We'll trust God to increase our giving. Remember, tithing is not the fin final thing. There's no percentage. You can give more than 10%. You can give less than 10%. Give proportionately. Give willingly. Give joyfully. But give and give regularly. That's why it's nice if you do it in an EFT because you can go to your bank and put it every month. You're going to give it so you, you don't forget and you, you don't let the end of the month catch you by surprise. Even at the beginning of the month, it, it goes and you are always knowing that you are giving to the work of the Lord. So I trust this sermon has been somehow um, fruitful to you instructive to you. I know it's not one of the most uh, exciting uh, topics to speak about, but um, yet it is one which could be a turning point in your life as you consider your giving this year. Rem remember, you want to finish well. So do not let the ideas of this world, when it comes to money and positions, rob you of a blessing. Be careful with the criticism of the world. Let's lay aim this year to be more generous. To be more generous this year than we were last year. Let's aim to do more for God's kingdom this year than we did last year. Let us trust God to entrust more to us this year than last year. And then let us manage well and faithfully what he gives to us. And so, let us be what? Stewards together. Say with me, stewards together. One more time. Stewards together. Let us be stewards together for His glory. Amen? Amen? For those listening to this recording, if you want a copy of the handout, 
please email me at uh, valdir, W-A-L-D-I-R, at awakenlife.coza, and I'll send you a copy. Amen? Let us pray. Let's all stand, please. Thank you for being patient. And got a little bit of a time. Let's pray. Father, if it is important to you, it is important to us. And if you took time to inspire the writers of the Bible to put so much there about finances and wealth and positions, then we understand, Lord, that we need to pay attention to this as well. We need to pay attention to money matters, Lord. Because money is not a matter of random sense. Money is a matter of the heart. I pray for everyone listening to this message right now. Whether you're here in the hall or here in this recording. Thank you for touching our hearts, Lord. Helping us to live with open hands. Open hands to you, Lord God. Obedient to your voice. Listening, Lord God, to those whispers that you whisper to us. How much to give in terms of your regular monthly giving. Now and then, giving something extra towards something specific. Father, keep our hearts open and soft so that we may be true followers of you. True stewards that together as a congregation will be stewards together of all that you entrust to us that we may see your kingdom going forth, your kingdom expanding, Lord God, our efforts being used to touch people with your word and with your love. And so I thank you for blessing your people this year, for opening our eyes to see things the way you see them, not the way the world sees it, Father. Help us not to follow man's ways, but God's ways when it comes to this critical area in our lives. For your glory and your honor, we pray. And so now, May the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon us, guiding us, empowering us to be stewards together for your glory. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy some fellowship and we'll see you again next Sunday. Have a great week. Amen.